coming to you from the Coachella Valley in Southern California, in association with Anchor.fm, welcome to Is This Your Playlist? With your hosts Kedrick and Rissa. My name is Joey and this evening's playlist will begin now. Hey, playlisters, thank you for joining me again here on Is This Your Playlist podcast. Uh, This is episode number 74, and I'm here with Risa. Hello. Hello. Uh, We are, today we're doing, oh, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, I want to thank Stephen Chandler for stepping in last week and uh, doing the, uh, the, we were five years older episode, which was really good. And it's funny because I didn't even think about the fact that he's 13 years younger than me. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so i don't i don't know if you personally have listened to it Risa, but it's like i mean he was talking about how he didn't get to see the girly show tour 93 because he was 10 and i was like uh wow. uh <laughs> so that so that was kind of fun um like what do you say to that <laughs> i'm like well and he did and here's the funny thing like he said that and i said well how old were you and he goes i don't know and i go well when were you born and he said 83 i guess you were 10 he's like yeah i don't know numbers oh my gosh <laughs> sassy australians anyway so i'm glad you're i'm glad you're back for this i um, don't know it, numbers that's her it, that's awesome <laughs> He said, if it's his bank account, he knows it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I said, okay, playa. <laughs> you know, so anyway. Um, that's that's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so, this is, so this is episode 74, and it's the fourth oh in a five-series summer series that, that Reese and I are doing. And uh, yeah, so way back in episode 43, which is weird, One of your predecessors and I did an episode called The Greatest Number Twos of 1983. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be good for, well, I thought about it already, but um, but playlisters, here's the thing with with me and like coming up with things, I kind of send Risa messages and I'm like, oh, which number do you like out of these four? And she'll just like, (laughs) she'll return the text back and I'm like, okay, that's what we're doing. I gave her like, I gave her like, I said, 1987, 1993, 1982, I think. And I, I don't even know if you knew what I was doing. I didn't. You just gave me a couple of years and it's like, oh, okay, this one. And now you know. So, and now um, I do know. So I, so I thought it would be cool for us to do um, another greatest number twos. Because I'm always intrigued by like the number twos, like. It's not that it wasn't good enough to be number one, but it stalled at number two. I mean, you're like right, you're right there, right there. And um, and I have a website, they're called everyhit.com. And uh, you can punch in the years, the month and the year range that you want. And if you want to get just like everything that was number one, it'll print that out and number two, number three. So I did number two. Fortunately, it was only one page. Usually some of those things are like three pages long. Um, so we're doing it for 1987. And um, <laughs> surprise. Where, where we, okay, for me, 1987 was the end of junior year and the beginning of senior year for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a so it was like a really big part of my life. 
at that point. And um, I kind of, as I was looking through the list, and this is all UK based, because if you haven't guessed it already, I, I think I'm an Anglophile. I think that's what they call it. I, don't know. I think mm-hmm. I'm British in another life somewhere. But so, um, and it's interesting for me because like the British charts are always, they always have interesting things. I mean, the US chart, I'm sure, had I looked this up, the, the Billboard 1987, I'm sure a lot of these would have been on there. I mean, there were some that probably wouldn't because it, they didn't come out in America, but um, yeah, so I just, um, I just thought it would be cool. And um, if we go through, um, this list, there were 20 number ones of the year and there were 16 number twos. And Pet Shop Boys had three on this list between number one and number two. Madonna and George Michael followed with two, but I'm sh- but the whole year, if you remember 1987, it was kind of Rick Astley's year. Never Gonna Give You Up was like a, a monster, you know? And right. uh, yeah, so. We're going to just talk, we're going to talk about some of our favorites. Um, Risa has her list. I have my list. Um, and yeah, so why don't we just get it going? We'll do the first one. Um, okay. And I'll go ahead and do that. Hey, this is Kedrick and you're listening to Is This Your Playlist? beginning of the year started off great on January 5th 1987 a little song came out called heartache and it was by two girls if you were an 80s fan and you liked wham then you know who they are they're Pepsi and Shirley they were the black girl and the white girl backup singers (laughs) for wham and I always used to think that um Donna DeLore and Nikki Harris were like the first kind of celebrity backup singers but okay. i think first of all i think two tons of fun slash the weather girls were probably the first you know mm. from the 70s with sylvester but yeah i mean wham wasn't wham without those two girls i mean even at the beginning and yeah. i don't know if you knew this but dc lee who uh was in the style council married to paul weller for years she was the first girl in it until like after club tropicana and then she left uh to join the style council married to paul willow and right. then uh, and then pepsi demackey came and it's pepsi demack and shirley holliman and shirley holliman is actually her her married name is shirley kemp yes it is and she is married to Martin Kemp and has been married to him since 1988. Um, they have two kids, Harley Moon and Roman. I didn't know this until I was watching one of my uh, British uh, like variety shows. Roman Kemp is actually a DJ in England and he was on the show and he is cute. I mean, how could you not be cute though? I mean, Martin Kemp. Look at your parents. Look at your. You know what I mean? It's like the genealogy. (laughs) If you were ugly, then um, I'm sorry, Martin Kemp's not your dad. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, they were, they were always with Wham. And when Wham broke up in 1986, uh, in my research, they said that they had there was no plans for them to go solo because 
you know, Shirley had met Martin and I believe she wanted to have a family and all that, but mm-hmm. they went ahead, you know, they went ahead and like, they struck when the iron was hot. So the first song they released was heartache and it was number two in the charts. And it was, it's on lists of like stock ache and water and produced things. But I remember reading back in the day that Stock Ink and Waterman produced it, but they didn't want to put their name on it because they wanted it to go on their own merit. But then I read huh. recently that they just remixed it. Okay. Oh, interesting. Um, and I saw the I saw the Hit Factory live show in 2012, and Pepsi and Shirley came out and they sang "Heartache." So I mean, they're involved. Oh wow! In oh my God, that concert was so good. Uh, yeah, that's another podcast. It was amazing. It was the last concert that Pete Burns ever did. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so Heartache came out and it was a juggernaut number two. And, you know, they were kind of fashion icons. They had this, <laughs> they loved their poofy, <clears throat> poofy uh, half shirts and big dresses and like socks that went up to their knees and like very kind of like, cupid all kind of things but you know they were fashion icons so you know um <laughs> and it was such a great song to he- to finally hear them because you know even though they were with wham it, they weren't really represented on the records you know sure because um, it wasn't about them no absolutely um so yeah, i love the song actually and they ended up having four singles and an album and the album was called all right now it was a cover of the old song all right now and they had goodbye stranger after this and they had a song come out later that was meant for a second album called someday and that one was written by george michael and wow. uh, that's funny that i said that because who do you think would have beat them to the top of the charts that moment it was their old boss <laughs> <laughs> and his first kind of solo outing after wham broke up and uh, it's the song that he did with Aretha Franklin. So they were probably like, dude, seriously? <laughs> Can't you just let us have a moment? I mean, <laughs> so... Does it always have to be about you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, hard. Yeah, that's, yeah. I knew you were waiting for me. That That is such a good, such a great song. Those two voices together, um, Aretha Franklin and George Michael, um, you know, both powerhouses um, in their own, in their own rights, but together it, it wasn't a competing sort of factor. It was just, they just blended really, really well and complemented each other really well. And that song, um, I, I that, that song was just so, just on its own, like, you know, on its own merit, like, and despite who sang it, I think just that song on its own merit, um, lyrically and musically was really good. And I just liked how the two, you know, soul and pop came together and, um, uh, and really just made that song. Um, yeah, that's, that's, it's one of my favorites. I, I say that about all the songs though, but like, <laughs> but I admit, like it's, it's on my, you know, it's on my list. It's one of those songs, like I'll hear it and, you know, I, I, I will continue listening to it. I won't, I won't skip over it. Um, but yeah, I just think that their voices just meld so well on that song. And that's just, it's a good little jam. It's a good little groove. It's a good little groove. Um, 
Well, yeah. So here's, I mean, so here's the thing. So he had, you know, like I said, he had just left Wham or Wham had just split up like six months before. And so he wasn't George Michael, the megastar yet. And he basically wrote this song and presented it to her. And she said, okay, they didn't even meet until they, wow. did the video, until they did the video shoot. That's when they met. Oh my gosh. And, you know, she was the, you know, she was the ultimate queen of soul and he was just starting out. It just, it is funny to, to see like how like a, a legend, which she was, and like somebody who was up and coming definitely. I don't mean, I, you know, here's the thing. I was a big Wham fan, but I didn't really think about him getting like so big as he did. Um, I was kind of bummed when Wham split up because I, I really loved Wham, but uh yeah, he just, I mean, to start off with that as your, you know, your first song is like amazing. So um, I think an RIP to both of them. Right. Right. You were going to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I was interrupting you. Um, I knew that he was on that trajectory um, when, or when, they released Careless Whisper and it was more a George Michael song versus like a Wham song. So I knew that he was on that trajectory to be, I mean, I wasn't too happy with, with them splitting up either. Um, but uh, you could see that, not physically, but you could tell that that separation was coming. And, um, but yeah, with just on the basis of Careless Whisper alone, Whew, you knew that was going to happen and um yeah he just he just has done so much you know in in that short span of time you know the wide range of songs and um styles and things and just yeah yeah um you know what it's interesting about careless whisper is you know, it was a George Michael song. I mean, for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things like, this is one of those, I don't know if it's a fun factor or trivia or whatever, but I kind of feel like, okay, I feel like he, okay. So it was a George <laughs> Michael song. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a Wham song, okay? Mm -hmm. But if you look in the writing credits, it's George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. I think he gave Andrew a credit on that song so he could live comfortably for the rest of his life. He did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he did. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that was, that was I don't yeah. know where that came from. There was um, an article about that, but when he died, there was a lot of that going, um, a, a lot of talk about that surrounding that, that he did give him a writing credit. Um, uh, so, you know, so that he wouldn't have to worry about anything. Well, I, you know, not worry about anything, but he did. He did give him a writing credit on that song, and that's and that was awesome, isn't it? Though it is, isn't it? Though I mean, that's just. I know this is. It's not the song. It's not on the list. But "Careless Whisper" is just one of those songs. Um, I, I guess I could say timeless, because I can hear it now. Like I remember hearing it when I was in. I was a senior in high school and I remember seeing the video and I was in the library and um, the librarian kept, tell kept telling us to shut up because we were talking about um, like, oh, that facial expression when he does, the, you know, 
all those silly things and when he does that dance move or whatever so sorry it's just like all these all these george michael memories it just um you know what honestly careless whisper is one of those songs that it's on the if i never hear it again list i would be happy but when it comes on i sing it <laughs> you know just like that that big last dramatic refrain tonight the music seems like that part i mean yeah you can't you right. can't deny that that was an amazing song. I mean, because you feel it, and he especially was like you're seeing. Yeah, he was probably. I think he was like twenty when he wrote that. Twenty or twenty-one. He was really young. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we're gonna take a break, and I'm gonna wipe my eyes. <laughs> and start to tear up all this George Michael stuff. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of some more of our favorite number twos of 1987. And we'll also talk about some new music that's out. So stay with Risa and myself here on ITYP. See you in a bit. Welcome back to Is This Your Playlist podcast? And you're here with me and Risa. And Hello. We, oh, hey. And we Hi. are talking about our favorite number twos of 1987 and uh we just went off on a george michael pepsi and shirley thing <clears throat> so we had to kind of get ourselves back together <laughs> and Bring we're here back. so um august is a good month for music this month at least um so my other gary gary kemp his album in solo came out this month um i have yet to listen to it but i'm going to um there is a new east 17 album called 24-7 and if you do not know who East 17 are they were the they were the Rolling Stones to take that the Beatles so it was take that in East 17 and East 17 were the bad boys take that were the good boys so Beatles Rolling Stones um there's a new song out by um a boy band called Five it's called Shangri-La and um a new album came out by a girl who I'm going to see this weekend in Vegas and it's actually going to be the first show that I'm seeing post-pandemic. Uh, the album's called The Body Remembers, and the artist is Debbie Gibson. Wow. Oh, that's and, the Debbie Gibson and Joe McIntyre show, right? It is, yeah, because they did, uh, cause they did the uh, Lost in Your Eyes uh, cover. And uh, I have a, there's a girl from Germany who's a New Kids fan who I met like 100 years ago on Facebook, she's like, are you going? And I was like, yeah, I was thinking about going, but you know, I haven't really bought tickets. She goes, oh, well, I bought tickets and I'm not able to travel, you can have mine. And I was like, okay. So she sends it to me, you know, via Ticketmaster. Stop it. Second row. Stop it. Second row, Risa, second row. And how much I had to pay for, for it? Nada stop it and it's like That's a it's like, it's like a 450 dollars ticket okay so um, it's going to be interesting to, to be at a show because the last show that i was at was the um 80s weekend show in february of 2020 wow <laughs> so, so it'll be interesting um, that was bananarama right no, that was the um, 80s weekend was like Violent Femmes, Romantics, Missing Persons, Flock of Seagulls, uh, Dramarama, Josie Cotton, 
the country. Did Bananarama do an 80s? They did an 80s weekend. They did that one in 2018. Oh, okay. And it was okay. uh, Bananarama, the Bengals, OMD. Yeah, Got it. I was there. I mean, it was the Bananarama were. trio. Me had to be there. Because, I mean, once you've had heaven, it's hard to go back to Hackensack. It's like, <laughs> I went and bought the tickets for the girl. Like, they were about to do an Australian tour, Bananarama War, so they did a warm-up show in San Diego right after that 80s weekend. And I bought tickets. It was just the two of them. It was just Karen and Sarah. I bought tickets because that's what you do. And I went and, you know, here's the thing. Once you've seen it with Siobhan and, and Siobhan's your favorite, there was so much like, there was so much difference between the three of them and the two of them, because the three of them, there was a lot more like, you know, like they were like, routines and stuff. The two of them together, the other two, it was just sort of like, hmm. And I was like, I, I really said, I, I don't have to see them again if I, if Siobhan's not there or Jackie. Hey, this is Steve, and you're listening to Is This Your Playlist? You know, so. Wow. But anyway, so getting back to the greatest number twos of 1987, um, my next choice is one that I never heard before, and it came out in. April of 1987, it got to number two in the charts. Shocking. Mm-hmm. That's what we're doing. Uh, the artist is called, <laughs> the artist's name is Judy Butcher, and the song is called Can't Be With You Tonight. And she was born in St. Vincent in the Caribbean, and she was a very famous reggae R&B singer. And this, her first solo song was called Dreaming of a Little Island. And it was number one in the reggae charts. And then the album came out shortly after that. And the album is called Can't Be With You Tonight. And it hit number two in the charts. The album hit number four. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's one of those songs that's sort of like, it's sort of reggae-ish. But it's just basically saying, you know, I, I just can't be with you tonight because I have something else. You know, I have my other... You know, I have my other life, so I'll be with you tonight. But it was really, it was a really, really great song. And I was glad that I'd never heard it before because, like, I'm on this, I'm on this thing to be, like, the most knowledgeable music live encyclopedia on earth. So. Um, You're well so on your way. Thank you. So she did a Belgian tour. Um, and that was her, that was a highlight. She, there were 40,000 people chanting, Judy, Judy. Amazing. Um, she is, this song was actually number two in the 25, in the 25 most influential Vincentian songs. And she was the first female from the Caribbean to have the longest stay in the charts. And um, that was 14 weeks for this song. Wow. And it was a it was a hit in Ireland, France, Greece, Spain, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the Philippines. And uh, it's called "Can't Be With You Tonight" by Judy Butcher. What is she doing now? Do you know? Um, she they, from the research that I got, it says that she kind of stopped doing music and she kind of does things very sporadically. But yeah, she just kind of went off and she had her big hit, and then she kind of went off and just did her thing. So wow. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Have a hit and then all right. Chat. 
<laughs> it's like that's like you're a bucket list like okay i had a a hit okay i'm done <laughs> so um keeping with the sort of islandy beachy theme um my next song is wipeout by the both beloved boy bands i used to call them boy bands not in your typical sense but um uh the fat and the beach boys (laughs) (laughs) and i i remember when i first heard this song and i have this thing about um about cover songs um or not just cover well yeah i have this thing about cover songs and and sampling um and i get it that sampling you know you get sometimes you can get a whole new song um but i think just at that time cover songs i was just like uh just come up with original ideas but this song it like it it opened my that opened that door a little bit you know um it was a fun you know just a fun sort of radio song um because it was just way interesting to have these two dynamic groups have the beach boys and the fat boys who were i won't i won't say parody because they were actually really excellent um musically in terms of the beatboxing and um lyrically and things like that but just the way that those two came together you know it's another another duo like um aretha and george michael um just these two worlds that all of a sudden boom they you know intersect for a little bit so uh that um that song you know it's real it's just it's just a funny um and now that i'm thinking about it's a story song (laughs) what it's a story song right (laughs) they talk about you know um talk about wiping out at the beach with you know um hitting on girls and things like that but it's just um I, I really think musically, it's actually a pretty, a pretty decent, um, fun uh, tune. So I'm, I'm sorry that it only got to number two. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, 87 was one of those years when you did have those, you know, uh, collaborations of, yeah. like, you know, different people. Um, I remember when it came out, I mean, the Fat Boys were, they were, they were what they were, you know, um, they didn't try and be anything else but what they were. Um, it was cool to see the Fat Boys and the Beach Boys because, I mean, I would have never in a million years thought that Put that them together come together. And it, that was not a collaboration that was on my bingo card, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I remember it. It was it was a great song. And I mean, who doesn't like Ooh, Wipeout? <laughs> so, and then, and then, and then, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was good. And and the funny thing is, like, it was kept off the top by Rick Astley's "Never Gonna Give You Up." Of course, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't keep every single song ever written <laughs> or released in '87 off the top of the chart. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that was, like, when 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 Mark and I did the '83 one, um, there were a big block of songs that you probably wouldn't have even thought that got to number two, like Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson, Say, 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 To Pal's Heart and Soul, I believe, uh, Tracy Ullman, They Don't Know, um, but it, but the number one song was Karma Chameleon, and, and that was like, it smashed everything for nine weeks. 
Right. You know what I mean? Thank so, gosh, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, my next one is, <laughs> I couldn't believe when this came out because it just, um, yeah, I, I, like you said, it wasn't on, what did you just say? It wasn't on your bingo card? Is it, that what you yeah, said? it wasn't on my, it wasn't on my bingo card. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I like that. Um, <laughs> he was an actor and it came after Eddie Murphy and after Don Johnson. And he was riding high on the success of his TV show, Moonlighting. Mm-hmm. And it was Bruce Willis. And it's a cover of Under the Boardwalk. Now, I I have very, you know what, I have low pop standards. Okay, I will admit it. You know, sometimes I like it simple, stupid, count count out, help me spell the words. Hmm. But Bruce, well, I just, I I just, at the time, I couldn't like, I couldn't do it. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, But this song got to number two in the charts in the UK. Okay, okay. Um, and it was the twelfth best-selling song of the year. What? Yes, 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 yes. It Come was, on, there had of the year of the year. There had to be there had to be a lot more better songs than that. Well, I mean, I mean, Rick Astley was number one, right? I think Pet Shop Boys always on my mind was number two. Um, it could have been it could have been anyone on this list. Um, wow. Yeah, crazy. Um, it is. It was the it was the third single from his album, The Return of Bruno, which came out in May of 1987. And the funny thing is, it got to number two in the UK, but in the US, it got to number 59. <laughs> wow. I, I wish I had that womp womp womp. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: the first single was called "Respect Yourself," and. Mm-hmm. It was, um, I found out that it was, it was a duet with one of the Pointer Sisters and the Pointer Sisters sang backup, but, and that one was like number five in the U.S., number eight, Mm -hmm. number seven. That was probably one of those like novelty, like, okay, well, we're going to have to buy this just to hear what he sounds like. And I would like to know what he thinks about that now, you know, like, (laughs) because this was all pre-diehard era. Yeah. And this album was actually a companion piece to his, he had an HBO special called The Return of Bruno. And this was like the album, you know, to go with that special. And the album got to number 14 in the US and number four in the UK, number four, four, four. And this song was originally done by the Drifters. Uh, It actually did get to number 20 in the US adult contemporary charts. And, uh, you know, like I said, we had Eddie Murphy, we had Don Johnson, we had Dolly Parton in 1981 with Nine to Five. Sort of like the what I'm, I guess what I mean by that list is the people who were actors who ended up singing songs. You know, before J Lo and. I can't but wasn't Dolly Parton a singer before she was an actor? Yes. Okay. But she, but she, and Dolly was the first. She was the first person to have the number one movie, nine to five, and the number one song at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. The only other person that did that was uh, J-Lo with Love Don't Cost. Love Don't Cost a Thing was number one, and Made in Manhattan was number one movie. 
So, you know, I, I listen to all these songs in the car and I mean, it's, it's under the boardwalk. What, what do you do with that? You right. Know, you know, um, I would love, I would just love to hear what he thinks. Cause like literally right after this Die Hard one came out. So, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I wonder if they just like, I mean, the producers, I wonder if they're like, dude, we have to do, we have to like kind of remix this to within an inch of its life. But they didn't have that kind of stuff back then. So, I mean, he's not atrocious. He's not Don Johnson. (laughs) Heartbeat. Stop. Stop. (laughs) And you know that Rick James, okay, you know Party all the time. You know Rick James is like, okay we're going to, we're going to do this again. And I'm just going to maybe try to drown your voice out. Anyway. So, so what do you, so what's, what's, what's next? So I do have with? a question. Okay. I have a question before okay. I get to mine. Um, was that album, was Bruce Willis album Return of Bruno, was that all covers? Do you know? Um, I, I actually have a list. Ah. Wikipedia Giggery. Nice. Um, let's see. There were one. Because I know, you know, Respect Yourself was a cover, and obviously Under the Boardwalk was a cover. Um, um, there were one, two, three, four, five. Wait. Uh, yeah, there were five covers Respect Yourself, Down in Hollywood. Um, Young Blood, originally done by the Coasters, uh, Under the Boardwalks. Oh, he did Secret Agent Man and uh, Fun Time, which was originally done by Joe Cocker, but the other ones were all uh, originals. Wow. Okay. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because that was, I remember when that came out, and it was just really weird that he was, um, you know, falling into the, um, you know, the old. R&B sort of um, vein of things, but you know, all good. I loved him on Moonlighting. I absolutely loved him on Moonlighting. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think that's, to me, that was what was so strange. It was like, you know, you don't have to just, you don't have to do a record. (laughs) Like a lot of people, you know, do that. It's just like, yeah, but you don't, you don't really have to do that, so. But, they, but, but he know, did, and it was, yeah, he did. It, it was and, successful, so. And it was successful, and people liked it, yeah. Sure. So, um, uh, <laughs> and that's funny, because, like, uh, my next, my next song, What Have I Done to Deserve This? <laughs> what have I done to deserve hearing <laughs> Bruce Willis and Don Johnson do albums? Um, no, no, no. Bruce Willis has three albums. I don't, I can't. I know. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I am not listening to you. <laughs> so um, Pet Shop Boys, one of my all-time favorite groups. I, um, I Lyrically, I think they are just so smart and so um, uh, they their words just really paint a great picture. And, I, I'm, and I'm just thinking right now, just of um, West End Girls. Uh, I remember when that song first came out, I was in high school and um, heard it for the first time um, from Richard Blade on um, LA-based radio station, K-Rock. And then I had gone to a teen club in um, 
uh, in Pomona. It was called Grand Central. I think it was called Grand Central. And I remember hearing this song and there was a guy that was dancing and it was, it was um, uh, West End Girls. And he was like, so um, performance art, like totally acting out the song. It was really fantastic. And so that was my first, intro that was my introduction to, um, to Pet Shop Boys. But what have I done to deserve this? There's something about, I, for me, the song hits me musically. Um, I, I, I just love the groove of it. I love, um, every, take out the lyrics and, and the, um, and the singing just musically that song really is in my wheelhouse really hits me but to have him pair with um whoops where'd you go oh sorry my thing sort of went out here um uh but to have him pair sorry okay sorry about that my my screen just went zoop, and so all i could see was you and i was like wait but what am i doing anyway so what have i done to deserve this um is <laughs> Uh, is to me I think it should have been a number one song but you know I can only buy one record I can't buy <laughs> I can't buy them all to make them all number one songs but um uh, definitely by one of my favorite groups I think it's I, I would say it's probably I, I would say it's probably my number one Pet Shop Boy song and the original version of um West End Girls would be my second would be my second oh. choice and that's one group I haven't seen in um in concert <gasps> and that surprises me I know right right yeah I saw, I saw them in 1991 at the Universal Amphitheater it was absolutely oh. amazing and um I think I've seen um R.I.P. yeah I think I've seen um saw them once with Steve my ex mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I think I've seen them twice. I, no, I've hadn't seen them more than that. I think I saw them three times. They're really good. You think you kind of think that it would be kind of like, well, what are they going to do? Because literally, Neil will stand there and Chris will just stand there behind the thing. But there's there's dancers somewhat. They don't have a lot of them, um, but there's like headdresses and 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 light shows, and and it's just absolutely amazing. Um, so this this was. You know, they were coming off of their success with um, It's a Sin. Mm -hmm. It was number one. And then this came out right after that. And they brought Dusty, they dusted off Dusty Springfield <laughs> and brought her back into the fold. And um, I remember the first time I saw the video, I was kind of like, oh, God, she doesn't look good. But I mean, because I, you know, what I knew of her was like 60s. Right. right. Um, but they just, I just wonder how that phone call went. I mean, because she hadn't done anything in a long time. And I wonder how they came to, to think that she could be good for this. Right. Those two guys are absolutely amazing because they did the same thing for Liza Minnelli. They came and did an album for her called Results. And it's the only Liza thing that I own. And it's Pet Shop Boys with Liza singing because they have that sound. They have a sound that you hear. And if you think that they've done it, you check. And when you find out that they did produce it, you knew it because they just had a sound. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean... 
it, like I said, it's, it's on one of those, if I never hear it again, I'll be happy. But when it comes on, I'm like, oh, I love this song so much. Like I would probably never play it at home. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's such a great, I mean, they brought her back and then she I did know. a whole album with them. And um, I think she just kind of dropped off after that. But once again, um, it's Dusty Springfield singing Pet Shop Boys songs. And right. um, I do have a I do have a soft spot for Dusty Springfield because that's what my dog is named after. Aww. My dog Dusty um, is named after Dusty Springfield because my ex likes Dusty Springfield. And uh, yeah, that's interesting that that's your favorite song and Weston Girls is second. The original version the of 1984. Yes. Or 1980. Yeah, 1984. Not, not the mix, not the, not the, not the, the original. No, no. I don't, you know what? I don't know what my favorite Pet Shop Boys song is. Like, I mean, I would have to look. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, I'm scanning my brain right now to think which song, if I had to put it on right now, which one I put on. Oh, I really like Can You Forgive Her. Mm-hmm. I love that one. In, in recent years, I've loved it. Love, etc. That one is good um oh love comes quickly from the first album that's probably my favorite song um that's a good one too yeah so all right well um, well why don't we take another little break and when we come back we're gonna go through our last bit on our list of greatest number twos of 1987 and uh yeah you're here with me and risa and we will be back shortly hello hello playlisters welcome back to is this your playlist podcast with me risa d and my cohort co-host kedrick (laughs) co-conspirator co-conspirator yeah we can we can keep going on those so um, we're talking today about um, the greatest number twos. They're almost there, but didn't quite make it. So um, we're going to go back a little bit. We've already touched on, um, on George Michael, but this one is super surprising to me. Um, did you know that Faith only made it to number two? Did, did I know, know it? Yes. Um, or did you play listeners? Did, I, did you know it, Kendrick? Did you know I, that? You know what? I didn't until I printed out this list. I was looking down it and I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, that was a juggernaut. That was huge. It was huge. But here's the thing. I Want Your Sex didn't even get number one or number two. I Want Your Sex at number three. where is that thing right (laughs) yeah i know right we need to find that yeah that's that's so interesting to me because and and i and i think because of the video controversy and the the nature of the song just you know just taking the song at um face word value um i think i can understand why it wouldn't have done why maybe it didn't do better but yeah, that, I mean, but Faith, Faith of all songs, like did not make it to number one. 
that one definitely um, grew on the strength of the video. Um, you know, the, the panning up, you know, from his steel-toed boots, you know, up to the leather jacket and the jukebox and the tight denim. Um, yeah, he was all leathered out that, you know, he had grown the beard and all of that. And it was just like, whoa, hello, George Michael, you grew up. So I, that was just, and that's, that's a really, a really good song. Um, minus the video. I think that's a really strong song. And that's what come, I was really surprised to see it on the number twos, um, on the number twos list. It's like, but it's faith. I mean, like, do, do, do. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, and that was the first, you know, that was the beginning of that era for him. And mm -hmm. the fact that like, you know, not more than three years later, he was like denouncing the whole thing. And he had the Freedom 90 video where he blew up the jukebox and burned the jacket. And it's like, right. well, you know, that's what, I mean, George Michael is kind of interesting in the fact that like he writes really good pop songs, but then he denounces them afterwards. Like yeah. the whole first album, he totally like denounces all those songs. Bad Boys, I read an interview, like so an interview asked him about Bad Boys and he literally got up, took his mic off and said, don't ever ask me about that song again and left. It's like See, it's Bad Boys, dude. Right. And that's so interesting because he's such a chameleon and you know, like like Madonna, for instance, she's such a chameleon as well, but like moves on from that, doesn't denounce, but it's like, okay, that was a step. And now here we go to this step, you know? It, it's just, who's, who else did something like that? Oh, um, Mandy Moore, she totally denounced um, uh, Candy, right? You know, it's just like, but when, you know, you weren't like 37 years old when you wrote that song, right? You were probably 16 or 17. So that fits, you know what I mean? So it, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just part of your musical legacy. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, when I was 16, you know, I, that's just me. But anyway, so Faith, number two. Um, Faith was, I mean, it was a good song, but like out of the... I think the six singles from that album, I Want Your Sex, Faith, Father Figure, One More Try, Monkey, and Kissing a Fool. Mm -hmm. Faith was probably my second least favorite out of that. Um, third least favorite, because I, I mean, Monkey, I, I like Monkey in recent years, but I absolutely did not like it then. Um, and One More Try, One More Try was good, but it was sort of like, uh, it's kind of slocky. But Kissing a Fool was amazing. Father Figure was amazing. And I Want Your Sex was amazing. Yeah, those but are good all, songs. I mean, they were all like where he was at the time. And right. And I, so wide ranging, right? Yeah. You know, and, you and know like was, you got your slow song and, you know. I mean, I don't know if you ever saw his behind the music, but it's like he was so concerned with, because he knew he was gay then. Yeah. And he was so concerned that somebody was going to figure it out. And it just, I think it drove him a little crazy. It's like, okay. Um, 
But like waking up before you go, go, since we're on George Michael tangent here, we're in a rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen, playlisters, we are in a George Michael rabbit hole. Okay, thank you very much. Ding, 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 ding. Um, so waking up before you go, go. Huge song. Like that's what took them into the stratosphere. And he completely denounces that song and the video. He's like, I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I wrote that. It's the silliest thing. And that was actually the beginning of him wanting to leave because he wanted to be taken seriously as a, a writer. As an artist, yeah. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you didn't have those little shorts on, you probably would have still been like, be, be brave. <laughs> R.I.P. G.M. Anyway, so my next song is, is by... It's by an Italian singer named Spagna, and the song is called Call Me. No, it's not a cover of Blondie's Call Me, which I thought, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, Call Me by Spagna. And uh, her debut album was called Dedicated to the Moon, and this was the second single. And unlike the first single, which was called Easy, uh, Easy Lady, this one, Call Me, was actually released in Japan and North America, and it got top 10 in 17 countries, and um, it was between Easy Lady and the next single was called Dance, 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 and it has been covered by Yolanda Dita Manji and Soraya <laughs> Arianales and New Zealand band The Fan Club in 1988. Uh, wow. It got to number 13 in the U.S. Dance Club Songs, number 18 in the U.S. Dance Single Sales, and it got number one in Spain, number two in the U.K., Italy, Greece, and Denmark, and number three in Ireland, and yeah. Um, wow. It's a pretty good, it's a pretty good song. She wrote it herself. Okay. Um, and um, the B-side is called Girl. It's not the end of the world, and that one's actually a good song, too. Um, and that sounds uh, like it would be and playlisters if you're listening to this uh, all these songs can be uh, found on Spotify so anything we talk about can be found on Spotify so um, yeah so I mean not much not much else about that um, there's like a glitzy kind of like clubby video that they shot like you know in a in a club in Nottingham and you know, there's a uh, Bel Belvoir Castle is also featured. And I guess that's a big castle in the UK. And um, yeah, so Call Me by Spagna. Um, clearly, I didn't follow directions very well because I um, actually, for one of my songs, I picked a number one. Oops, <laughs> that was before. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, Aretha Franklin and George Michael was number one. Say it again. I said Aretha Franklin and George Michael was number one. Because they remember they they kept because they kept out they kept out yeah <laughs> and so yeah so obviously I didn't read the the directions and oh, yeah. look I just saw the songs that I knew um, but you know I'm gonna do another little um, shout out here to um, Dance Party USA via the song um, Respectable um, by and I don't know if it's Mel and Kim or Mel and Kim no it's Mel and Kim okay. Because anyway, but um, that song was a total bop. I I loved it from the first time I heard it on Dance Party USA, and 
1997 was huge for me and Dance Party USA because it's pretty much when I found it. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Um, but um, I only knew two of the songs that Mel and Kim had ever done. And, and again, I just heard them on um, uh, at a club or, or on um, the dance show. So um, uh, I just wanted to give a little special shout out to, to that number one song. So that was it. <laughs> That's it? Oh, just for that song, yeah. Just because I didn't want to give too much because it was a number one. Um, but uh, yeah, and I didn't want to harp on the fact that I didn't follow the directions. <laughs> well, you kind of said it four times, so we already, we know. We know, we know. No. Uh, Mel and Kim was amazing. That was amazing. That was their second single. <clears throat> and they were, they were the Stock Aiken Waterman golden girls and uh yeah respectable was a juggernaut i mean it was just the video was amazing the singing was amazing they were amazing and they were just going to get better but <clears throat> unfortunately mel came down with cancer and she died in 1988 and uh it was really sad. They put out one one more song. That's the way it is. It was on the Coming to America soundtrack, <clears throat> and then Kim Appleby, who was Mel Appleby and Kim Appleby. Kim Appleby was actually dating Craig Logan from Bross after he left, and she had a solo album out called Kim Appleby, and all of the songs on her solo album were meant to be on the second Mel and Kim album. Mm, wow. Um, so that was pretty sad, but, um, and Kim Appleby retreated from kind of like the music business for years. And she finally came back out like four, uh, four years, four years ago and did like some of the England festivals. Yeah. That's what you're, you had mentioned that to me a, a little bit ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, yeah, they were great. That was, a, yeah, that was, a, that was a mega hit and, uh, showing out, get fresh at the weekend. Amazing. Amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing. So yeah, they were they were Stock Aiken Waterman's Golden Girls. They were, I mean, and the cool thing about Mel and Kim is that they took control of their image straight out the gate. They dressed the way they wanted to, they did the dances the way they wanted to, and they were just they were amazing the short period of time that they were together. Um, and definitely they left their mark with respectable. <laughs> Stay tuned for more musical madness, crazy antics, and witty banter here with me and Risa on Is This Your Playlist. In August of 1987, a little song came out that basically took over the world. <clears throat> it was called Never Gonna Give You Up, and it was by a singer named Rick Astley. Now, I don't know if you were like the rest of the world, but when you heard that song, I envisioned a Luther Vandross lookalike. Now, this is one of the few things that's on, like I have a little list of these like things that don't go together. So when the video is gonna premiere, I was like, cool, it comes on. And I'm like, oh, come on. 
You know, just like when I saw Amy Winehouse's rehab, I was like, what? <laughs> Red-headed, white boy, kind of Obi Taylor looking. I was like, a ginger. No, I was like, there's no way. Right. But it was. A ginger. And he does. So anyway, never gonna give you up was the was the song, and it was definitely like the biggest thing in the world, 1987. So he had a second single in England called Whenever You Need Someone that was a cover of an Ochi Brown song uh, that we talked about a couple episodes ago. And so so he okay, so Stock Ake and Waterman, and, and you know, we talked about this also. In England, you know, the Christmas number one is humongous it's a it's right. some it's a goal that people have yeah you know that go for and so 1987 stock Aiken waterman decided to release a double a side um when i fall in love it was the cover of the nat king cole song and it was a double a side and the other song was called my arms keep missing you and that was a non-album track mm. <clears throat> so you know, um, so my arms keep missing you. It got to number six in Germany, number Den number eleven in Denmark because it was released on its own cognizance to overseas. Okay. Um, but when I fall in love came out November thirtieth, nineteen eighty seven, and for whatever reason, EMI wanted their artist Pet Shop Boys to get to number one with Always on My Mind. Okay. So when Rick Astley's When I Fall in Love was just like selling, 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 selling. <laughs> These are the funny things that I, I love reading this stuff. So EMI decided to re-release the Nat King Cole version. No way. So that Rick Astley's would stop selling <laughs> and Catch Up Boys Always On My Mind was number one. Stop it. Where to God. I remember, I remember hearing that back then. <clears throat> oh my you know? gosh so so rick astley was number two for two weeks and it was beat off the top by pet shop boys always on my mind and belinda carlisle's heaven is a place on earth wow um and it's funny the nat king cole re-released only got to number four <laughs> um he did a reimagined version for his album the best of me with a new piano arrangement and uh when i fall in love got to number one in Belgium, number two in UK and Ireland, and number three in the Netherlands. And wow. he didn't really sing. I mean, he oh. he's amazing. I mean, I saw him, he did like a couple of, he did some US uh, shows back in the, like 2015, I think. And yeah. uh, he was amazing. Uh, to, <laughs> to hear him like get behind the drums and play drums and they did Highway to Hell. Right. From ACDC was amazing. Um, so that's how 1987 in the UK charts ended. And I think that's a perfect way for us to end this. And <laughs> so before we, before we go, I just want to say that um, I appreciate everyone who listens. I appreciate Risa for coming out and doing this with me. Um, so I went to LA last week and I was actually on a game show called People Puzzler. It's on the game show network, uh, re um, Risa, 
Leah Remini is the host. Um, I had a great time. I cannot talk about the outcome, unfortunately, but it was interesting to be there because it's very regimented and it's very like, okay, and they have three people on a panel. And then, so you're, so the three people are on a panel, like a, like a, you know, like a, you know, like a panel. And then Leah Remini is like on the corner, kind of looking at us and looking at a teleprompter. Well, my happy ass was right next to her. Awesome. I can only imagine how I look on the thing because I was, I, I had my hands, here, hold on. <laughs> Playlisters, you can't see this, but I'm trying to do this for you. So I had my hands like this <laughs> a lot. And, <laughs> and they were like, okay, when, when the other people on the panel, um, you know, when they win or something, go, you know, clap your hands. So then I would go. So she so she started off right. She's like, "Hey, welcome to People Puzzle, where we blah 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 blah." blah. And here's our three contestants: Kendrick, Kim, oh, no. and Eric. And I just looked at her and I was like, "I go, it's actually Kendrick, Leah." <laughs> she goes, "It is," and she looked at the name. She's like, "Okay, we'll do it again." I go, "No, Leah, you don't have to do that. You can call me whatever you want." <laughs> and uh, she's like, "No, no, I want to get it. I want to get it right." And um, Let's just say this. It's easier at home. Wow. Easier at home. Um, but I'm glad I did it. It was a great experience. And uh, whenever I get the, the date where it's going to be on, I will post it. And so everybody can see it. So but awesome. I, I will get, if I, get, let's see, if I talk about it, I can get sued for like $100,000. And I, I don't really have that in my repertoire yeah. right now no yeah those are yeah the ndas those are crazy but i'm so proud of you for doing that and congratulations no matter the outcome that's just super awesome and you know and i have a friend named ron who who basically told me he said do you know how much like the you know what uh percentage of the population actually get on those shows and he's like just know that you're special and i'm like okay um it was definitely during a time period where I was like, I'm just going to try something. And if it comes to fruition, great. If it doesn't, that's cool because it's like better to try and fail than not try and never know. That's where I'm at. Okay. So uh, I'm going to let you go, dear heart. Thank you for coming, uh, coming and doing this with me. I appreciate it. We got one more and then we're on a vacation <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love you very much. Love you. All right. I will thank talk you. to you later. Playlisters, thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing. And uh, we both appreciate you all very much. So absolutely. Thank you, thank you and good night. Good night. <laughs> thank you for tuning in tonight to Is This Your Playlist? If you are tuning in for the first time and like what you've heard, please like and subscribe. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. Find us on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram. Please join Kedrick and Rissa next time for more fun facts and witty banner. My name is Joey. Thank you, and good night.